This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to another Swans Cast podcast and this week I'm joined uh, by Ben, so welcome in Ben. Alright, thanks for having me again. Yeah, coming back. Uh, Lee couldn't make it this week unfortunately, um, would have been three of us, but he's in the busy period of his job. I'm not going to share what he does necessarily, but I'm sure people can relate when I say the word month end, um, part of what he does and every time that week comes around... I can't. I can hardly get a text message from him. <laughs> I'm only joking. He's very busy, so he's not here tonight. We got Ben is here though to discuss everything that's going on Swansea related, um, and I'm sure we'll be maybe three of us next week, or or Lee will be back nonetheless. Um, going forward, then we got another win to talk about. So I know last week's was a little bit uh, of a negative tone. Actually, speaking about Lee's absence, I actually said to him at the start of the last episode, we haven't won a game this season when he's been on the podcast. Have we not? No. You were on the podcast uh, the time before the last one where we spoke about the four wins, basically, and we went all the way back to the QPR game, I think. It was a bit of a congested period, wasn't there? It was yeah. some midweek games when we went on that good run. And we spoke about that run of form as we went into the international break and we had, we looked ahead to Leicester, which we didn't necessarily expect to win, but maybe you thought better of the Watford game, which didn't materialise. And ultimately, Lee came on after those two, another two losses, and he's not here again this week. And we've won. So I just feel like there's a bit of a trend here, which is maybe unwanted. So maybe nobody wants to see him for the rest of the season. Yeah, Lee, stay away, pal. <laughs> You'll have to take a seat full time. If he's listening to this now, I'm sure he's probably writing a writing a text message. You know, what are you talking about? <laughs> but um, yeah, all fun and games. Uh, he knows that. Anyway, let, let's have a look at the football this week. So, as I said, a win to talk about. Swansea went up north to Blackburn Rovers. Managed to come away with a 1-0 win. I think that's quite an impressive result on paper. Uh, they've been... I guess they've been, like a lot of other teams in the Championship this season, up and down. But I would say one of the stronger-looking teams for me. They, they're a new-look Blackburn side to what we would maybe have been used to the last couple of years. They play in a different style of football. I think they've got quite a young team now. Um, and I guess they've got a lot of 
improvements that they can still make and maybe we were able to capitalise on some of those shortcomings whereas on another day we wouldn't have but ultimately become we with a 1-0 win so what did you make of that result? I mean I, I really didn't know what to expect going into the game to be honest partly because we were on such a weird run of form four wins on the bounce and then two losses in a row so it's all over the place there but also Blackburn going into the season they looked like they were out about of a fire sale because funding from the owners were getting pulled out from underneath them they didn't know if the manager was still going to be there and like you say, this season, they've, they've never really hit their stride, but they haven't looked poor either. You say a 1-0 win, I mean, I'm surprised we had a clean sheet, is the one thing I will say. I mean, without having watched Blackburn a lot this season, it seemed like uh, they had quite a lot of attacking prowess. And uh, nice to see Liam Cullen get a goal also. Nice, uh, nicely worked goal, I think. It has been coming for him, and uh, we'll talk about it a bit later. Seems to have ignited some contract discussions for him, potentially, with, with one year in his deal. Um, I do think it was important we got that win, though, because it would have been all of a sudden three losses in a row, and then it's back to you'll, you'll hear the Duff Brigade, uh, a Duff Out Brigade, sorry, come back out again. Um, so, yeah, time, timely win, particularly because the fixtures we have coming up as well, as I'm sure we'll touch on in a second, is heading into a difficult period now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Liam Cullen and his uh, potential new contract a bit later on. But I, no, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I was surprised we had a clean sheet. I'm surprised we had a clean sheet from. The watching the game, to be honest, as well. Um, I don't necessarily think... Well, I think Blackburn will look at it and think, how didn't we score for some periods? It was a weird game. It was a game of different periods of dominance for the different sides, I think. Um, that's why I say when you look at it on paper, 1-0 away from home result up there is definitely a good result for us. Could have gone either way, definitely. They're definitely struggling as a team to recoup the goals that they've lost with uh, Barrett and Diaz leaving in the summer and I think they've turned into more of a team where the goals come from around the entire squad rather than a main man up top and maybe we benefited from that in this game with their lack of being clinical let's say uh, coming to our advantage on, on this occasion you could argue the same for us obviously we had two disallowed goals that offsides maybe on another day we get it right and go 3-0 up but that didn't happen. We got the one from Liam Cullen, as you just mentioned, and it was it wasn't hanging on for all of the remainder of the match. But we we were a little bit at the end, I think, and you're never comfortable one nil away from home, are you, until the whistle goes. Yeah, I think by the sounds of it, if you have to. If you're forced to say what should the result have been, maybe a draw would have been yeah. better. I, I I don't know. I mean, like you say, it was the two offside goals, and they were tight ones. I haven't actually seen the the you know camera angles see if it was the correct decision or not i, I assume they were because i haven't really heard anything to suggest otherwise um but yeah i mean what i will say is that we have had moments this season where maybe we could have had an extra point or a win instead of a draw like like a qpr like these sort of things do balance themselves out over 46 games normally so uh you take the good and the bad yeah exactly so we go go away from home and you expect the home team to come at you a bit and coming away with the results always positive that's why you say even a draw, you know, even a draw is a positive result going away from home. So you can't argue they worked hard and they they got their rewards for it. Um, but it's definitely a tricky game and it's a good team. Blackburn, they they kind of go into more of a style to what we played last year and what we play, or what we refer to as the Swansea way to compared to what they would normally be maybe known for. And I guess that's a bit of a weird thing to see. You, you mentioned their turmoil in the summer. There definitely has been a lot of change around. I think there's a lot of players there that maybe are unrecognisable from 
from from a few years back. When I was having the pre-match uh, conversation, they basically play in the match with three right backs, one on the wing and one in the centre midfield, but ultimately being credited with being their best players as well. So that shows maybe how they've changed to more of a fluid system. And ultimately, I would argue that sort of system, we seem to do better against at the moment. And if you have a contrast with the way we played against Watford who in the first half shut up shop and we struggled, maybe teams who do like to play a bit more, it does suit Michael Duff's style a bit more. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I think at the first, say, seven or eight games, we weren't really seeing that counter-pressing sort of style that was talked about in the summer before Michael Duff came in, where we try and win the ball back aggressively, quickly, as soon as we lose it. But now that we have actually had the change in shape, and it seems like it suits that sort of style a lot more than the original formation did with three at the back. Um, I do think now, like you say, if the teams who play similar to the way we did last year actually are the ones that suit us more to play against now, yeah. the ones that want to take risks building from the back, playing through in the midfield, even playing out from a goal. <clears throat> we've seen a couple of times we've had chances, we've had a couple of goals from those scenarios. Those teams who want to take those risks that we took last season are the ones that were more favourable for us to play now. Um, how long that stays that way, I'm not sure, mine, because I, I do sort of worry that we're going to get found out a bit. As we're very much like playing one way because we finally found something that's worked we, we got to obviously it, it took us about 10 games to really click into place and find something that worked we're not going to suddenly move away from it but typically if if you go back over the last few years when we've had managers like steve cooper in quite often when we find a system that does work it works for so long until we get found out and if we don't have a plan b then you know we had some bad spells of form again that's why potter was probably, i know i feel like i talk about potter every podcast but that's probably why my he's my favorite manager. You, you had a plan A, B, C, D, and quite often they all worked in one way or another. That that's why I was always always confident. You know, even being behind in a game, first half, second half, we could come back into it. Now, when we're playing and something isn't working, you just you sort of wait for the opposition to score. Still, if you if you know what I mean, there is that yeah. element. Of it. Sometimes that that's what it was like in the Watford game. Definitely what it was like in the Leicester game. But Leicester, you know, won't be too harsh there because they were they were a different breed of team, really, weren't they? Yeah, I think I think the whole plan ABC has always been a weakness of Swansea during this successful period of the history. Since the Swansea way has been a thing, I would say that's always been a criticism other than the odd few managers who managed to find a way to deal with that. But I think that's been a consistent theme. People say they want to play the Swansea way. That seems to come part and parcel with it, is the fact that the managers are like, no, no, we play this way. We don't need another way. We do what we do. And as long as we do it well enough, we're going to be fine. But then when it isn't working, the criticism is always, well, we need to change it up and we can't. Um, I do think there's no reason why Duff haven't got the potential to be able to do it. It's just whether his tactical sort of uh, prowess is there yet. I feel like the resources... You've got like um, Kuarovic on the bench, for example. You'd think that offers a different way of playing. If he wanted to use that, maybe he just hasn't got that working yet. Whether he's not fit, I'm not sure. Maybe he hasn't been in the squad for the last. He picked up a knock before Les uh, Watford before Watford right, game, okay. and he wasn't in the last two, I think. But well, I just mean when he's fully fit, you know. You'd, yeah, yeah. You'd imagine there's potential for a different I, way. I think he's one that he's clearly not ready to start in yet. Otherwise, I feel like he would have, especially in that bad run at the start. 
I do worry that we're maybe a bit restricted in what we can do in terms of tactical versatility now, though, because it was evident that we recruited for Michael Duff's three-five-two formation yeah. at the start of the season. It didn't work. We're now playing a four-the-back formation with strikers on the wing, and we're stuck playing that way because we can't revert back to a three-the-back formation that we recruited for because no one knew what they were doing. So yeah. um, you do wonder maybe if saying that you know another game like Sheffield Wednesday where it's evident we're going to win and we're going to win comfortably wherever you switch back to that original formation just to try for half hour just because I, I I worry now like if you have a key injury in certain areas of that pitch we haven't got anyone to come in Jamie Patton's and for me well, it's borderline there already because yeah. Janelli well, yeah Janelli out for the season but Patterson and number 10 for me he's the only one that works there Ollie Cooper for whatever reason I don't I know he scored against Plymouth. He just doesn't seem to work the same way Patterson works. That that system suits him really well. Now, if any of those attack in front line go, Cullen, Low, Yates, Kuharevich clearly isn't like favoured. Would he start Kuharevich or would he switch to a two striker formation? But then, if you switch to a two striker formation, you've got no. You have to start him instead. It's It's tricky. uh, We got you know fifteen signings or whatever we had, and got all these players. All of a sudden, we're looking threadbare. In certain areas, yeah. injuries. Yeah, we talked about this in the last podcast. Uh, obviously, we just lost to Watford, and we were talking about maybe reasons for that, and some of the, what you just spoke about. I credited to being partly to blame for what was quite a lacklustre performance, especially in the second half of that game. People, you know, Lee was saying Titan there shouldn't be an excuse this early into the season, and I think think that is that's a fair comment to make, but. Every game at the moment, I think we we are hoping that Yates, Cullen, Patterson, Lowe can be the same front four every game up until January where we manage to make some sort of signing that can mm-hmm. offer competition. So maybe it isn't an unfair argument to say tiredness is setting in in some games. They played a lot better at Blackburn after they had a week between games. The Watford game came after a difficult match against Leicester, which I'm sure they would have put a lot into. Ultimately, maybe you could argue they didn't need to do it, but you always want to see the players try in. But then they looked a bit poor against Watford as a, as a result, you know, and there's not much he can do to, to change that. I think he has tried changing to the five-of-the-back system on occasions in the second half. Doesn't seem to work when he changes it mid-game. No. And then it quite often gets reverted back, whether it's because of injuries that happen on the pitch or or lack of options off the bench, you know. I think you're right in what you're saying about Patterson, Cooper, for whatever reason. I thought this was going to be his massive opportunity coming under Michael Duff, but it just hasn't worked out for him yet. He's lucky in a way that he can kind of cover any of the three behind the striker. So he's going to keep getting opportunities, but it's up to him to show that he he should be considered for a start. Right now, he just isn't doing that for me. Um, you know, when he comes on, I definitely feel like we look weaker going forward. I, I, it's a shame because I think he's got so much potential. I just I'm not sure how to unlock how he unlocks that at the moment. You know, it's not but otherwise, it goes. Sorry, I was just say he does just need to keep playing, and like you said, because yeah. of our lack of options, he will keep playing. So that's the only upside. But I, yeah. I was probably the chairman of the Ollie Cooper fan club going into the season. But even I've had to admit, like a couple of times, he just uh, 
I think he just needs to pick his head up more. I know it's a really simple thing, but quite a lot of, a lot of the time he tries to beat players, beat players. He, he misses the opportunity to make that good pass, and then he gets quite easily dispossessed. It's like it's, yeah. it's quite predictable a lot of the time. It's quite easy to knock off the ball as well, isn't he? So maybe mm. that's something he can work on. Uh, the only other option that maybe could be... I don't know if it works. Something that we could try is Liam Walsh in that role behind the striker. But that's, again, un, you know, testing something new. Uh, Patterson's working so well there it's difficult to unless you're forced into that maybe we're not going to see it but he's the only other one I would suggest can go as in there as, really as long as he's fit give him a chance because uh, unfortunately I feel like it's a similar situation to Joe Allen I mean, we may only have them for 10-15 games a season before they get yeah. injured again so whilst we have him fit give him a chance honestly because what it does is it rests other people up though doesn't it like yeah i, I don't know like patterson's like he hasn't really locked out on his feet but i think duff knows don't push him too hard if, he, if he's playing 90 minutes each game in that role press and like he is he is gonna get injured he looks out on his feet if he plays more than 70 minutes mm. he looks done and there's been one or two where he hasn't been able to come off because of other subs and injuries um I said the same thing about Patino. Patino's being very clearly to me managed um, for his fitness. He's a young player. He's been a bit protected by Duff, and we're getting the best out of him as a result. Uh, he's quite he's quite vocal from the fan base when he gets subbed off and when he doesn't start. Perhaps midfield we got is more of a luxury where we have options. You know, Felton can come in, much to people to people's dismay it seems at the moment, but in the midweek. When we got a three-match week, when we got a midweek fixture, he does rotate Patino out. I've seen there's definitely a trend there with mm. Fulton coming in because there's an option to do that, you know. And we don't really have that option with the other players further up the pitch. And it is because, like you said, we've recruited for the system that we're not using anymore. And as much as that system had two strikers and now we're only using one, you know, low just shifts up to up front if if that was the case. It's 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 the three behind that's the problem. There isn't really anyone there to come in. I guess say there's two interested. Say we go into this game now. Liam McCullum picks up a knock. Jamie Patterson picks up a knock, and he doesn't want to change formation. Who comes off the bench? I guess you bring it off. Ollie Cooper, Cameron Congreve. Congreve, I don't think has made an appearance this season. Well, I was going to say Congreve just now, just because like we saw him. Have flashes of talent under Russell Martin, so it feels a bit weird that Liam Cullen's playing, you know, the majority of games every single game, and Congreve hasn't gone on the pitch. To me, anyway, when Cong that, if you were to pick a position for Congreve, it would be where Liam Cullen's playing right now. I think in line yeah. with the number ten, just just off to the right hand side. So it would be a shame yeah. if he doesn't get a chance at some point. I think. But as you said, Cullen is what 24, 25 yeah. and Congreve's nineteen. So there is definitely a gap of experience there. I don't recall Congreve ever having a loan either where he's gone and played a significant amount of football. No, he had an injury, I think, didn't he? That was a fairly significant one as well. So I don't think he's been on loan. I can double-check that. But Maybe that's some something that he would benefit from, but then at the same time, who comes in? Obviously, we had that Palmer on the bench as well in the uh, previous game, in the Watford game. But it does... Palmer, it, Parker... Palmer. Parker, Palmer. I think it's Parker. I'll correct myself now. I'll go check. Apologies for getting the information wrong. But the point I'm trying to say is there's the, the bench seems to be getting filled with players that realistically, Parker it was, Sam Parker, realistically are not going to come off the bench 
Yeah. So they're there, but maybe one maybe one time there will be someone. But I, I, the longer it goes on, where he doesn't chuck someone on for five minutes at the end of the game, you just start questioning whether they're actually ever going to come on. They're just there to fill a seat. Yeah, I mean, it gets to the point where you wonder, are they, is he going to start pushing the wing-backs up on the wing? I mean, we saw Ryan Manning do it a bit last year, no different system, and he did it quite well. Tim on seems, Timon's already seems a lot better going forward than he does defensively, so worst case, if you add him up where Lowe's playing about now, and then pair this back and left back, that for me wouldn't be the end of the world. Ashby and Key, again, both very attacking. They're square pegs in round holes, but like... These, these players, the, the front four you're on, but they can't play as much as they are without something given, especially going into the Christmas period because the games just stack up like crazy. Yeah, and Choa On has been on the bench for a few games recently as well, so if they did that, there's a bit of cover, I guess, still there. Not that we've seen him either. Um, I don't know what he would offer if he'd be an option on the wing, but we have seen Ashby slash Key, one of them, go into the wing in one or two games as well. So when Key comes back with Ashby... And we'll speak about the individual players from the Blackburn game in a sec. With Ashby, I feel picking up on his form, maybe that is a genuine option that he can use. I'm sure when Ashby came on a few games ago, he's the one that went onto the wing. I, I would be tempted so. to say it should be the other way around. I, I haven't seen enough of Ashby to really. He's had good games, he's had bad games to know what his attributes are like. Like some get a couple of games where he's been like, oh, like he's yeah. got brilliant delivery, like cross over the ball. And there's been some games where he's flying, crossing and he's flying over the back post. He had some games where the winger is beating him for fun. He's had some games where he's first to every ball. So it's, I actually don't know what his attributes are. So. No, but I would argue maybe Key is quite exciting going forward. I would say Ashby stronger in defence. Not necessarily stronger overall, but I think Ashby's stronger in defence than his attacking traits. He can do stuff, but I think he looks more fluid going yeah, forward. More, so if you're going to pick one of them to go on the wing... Yeah, he's got more of a defensive build, Ashby, yeah. by the looks yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Like he uh, likes think, to look to take a man on as well, doesn't he? Yeah, Key does pick up the ball, and if he's got space in front of him, he runs there. I get what you mean. It's the first thought he has, just good as a wing-back, that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll see if it comes to uh, fruition. And Timon has been on the wing, as you mentioned as well, so that wouldn't surprise me either. And that is options. It's just not what you really want, um, no. ideally. You know, we strengthened in areas, as I said, for the five-of-the-back system. So when all injuries are resolved, you know, perhaps now with two centre-backs, we've got an abundance of personnel available for that position. We're also all of a sudden. We're also limited to switch back to the back five because of the centre-back injuries. That we've had and Cabango, yeah. I'm not sure if he's still properly fit. He's, he's, or not. he's on the bench and came off the bench to play for the last five to ten minutes against Blackburn. He's in back and then Norton, you know, I, I think he's just a case of play him in the cups, but I'm not sure he's trusted in the league just because his age, not that he's a bad player. Um, and after that, who would you even be dropping down to then? Philip Lisser at the minute, remember him. Well, Pedersen can come in, can't he? To oh, yeah, back. that's at the back. I, I, I keep forgetting who's fit and who isn't. I'd imagine Wood probably isn't that far January. away. Is he January? Ja Where did he go out? September. Three-month Three injury. Yeah. Surely it'd be December time. Depends when in September. I can't actually remember what. I'm sure it was pretty date. soon after the window closed because we were wow. saying we should have accepted the bid, for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's definitely... It's funny because I guess we went from being short in the areas we were short in and kind of stacking up the defence. And it's now the other way around. We're short up top, if anything. Yeah. Midfield, midfield on paper is comfortable. You've got Allen and Walsh who make that disputable, really. If they're all there, it's comfortable, you know, isn't it? But there's it's really three of them, Patino, Grimes and Fulton. So I guess we're only one injury away there from difficulty. I, you know, Walsh comes in as the th- the one, but if you're relying on Walsh off the bench every game, you just feel like at some point you can't rely on Walsh off the bench and who's next? I it's a we'll shame. Have we'll have a lot more flexibility in the summer, I feel, just because Ireland is probably one of our highest earners. Walsh, I'm pretty sure, is a fairly high earner and, uh, you know, I doubt either of them get offered new deals because of their injury records. Then all of a sudden you've <laughs> yeah. got two midfield slots for quite a significant wage budget. Our midfield's been pretty set for a while. Like Grimes and Fulton are two of the longest serving players and I'm pretty sure the EFL now. I swear I saw a graphic. They were like top 20 or top 30. Yeah, they are, yeah. That, that's, that's insane to think of. I, I realised they were brought in when we were in the Premier League and they weren't really playing. Fulton played like seven times. I'm not sure Grimes played at all. Maybe maybe one game off the bench, but um, Fulton had a bit of a run in the team yeah. under Bob Bradley. Yeah, I I know I know him for key. I want to say that was our midfield three for a bit. I like I do like Fulton. He's getting a bit of stick this season. I'm not sure how fair it is. He had a bit of stick in the first season under Russell Martin, and then yeah. turned it around last season. And it seems to have gone back into his court there's always someone that um isn't doing too favorably in the in the fan base i don't i'm not saying he set the world on like a light this season but i don't think he's as much of the cause of a lot of the problems as what's being made out no i mean normally he's quite a consistent player i think for the most part it's been a standard enough season of him i think it's the watford game recently though that was um it just nothing went right for him it was a one-off i hope but every time he picked up the ball, he was miscontrolling there, misplacing a pass, get second to tackles. It, it wasn't a good display. But like you say, normally you don't get that from him. Normally, you Yeah. The link seems to be, though, forward. don't play him and Grimes in the same team, which which yeah, people seem to be shouting about. But yeah, they've done it successfully under Potter and they've done it successfully under Cooper. So why can't they play together? They, they can play together. Maybe they weren't playing together well on that particular night. Or maybe under Michael Duff, they haven't managed to do what's been asked of them together very well yet and I guess Grimes, not Grimes I guess um, Fulton is being directly compared to the impact that Patino's had when he's been on the pitch because you lose that by having Fulton but they do different jobs I understand the frustration of having Fulton in a home game against Watford where you want Patino to be the more attacking lineup. but if someone's not fit enough to be doing the amount of game time that's required ultimately you're not going to get the best out of them for the season anyway and if you look at a team like Leicester who are heavily rotating their squad and in the position they're in I'm not saying we could be anywhere near that but I think rotation is an important part of a successful season in the championship so I don't blame Michael Duff for trying to manage that in a a way particularly because of the way we're defending as well now like if you remember, go back to, I want to say, just before the QPR game, we were discussing, or oh, should they try Grimes and Patino together? And I was like, it won't work for reasons X, Y, Z. My reasons mainly were off the ball, the pair of them I don't think would cover the ground. But what he's done, as I've covered previously on 
as some of the older podcasts was low and culling out wide there one of them are always dropping in to help cover that midfield three so i think fulton he doesn't need to keep coming in because that front four are having to defend yeah. a lot more than maybe they normally would in a normal system because Grimes and Bettina were there. So if Grimes and Bettina were there every single game, the front, there's no point burning out your front four, burning out your midfield, because you're just, you're just going to start losing games of football then. You'll end up having more games like the Watford game if he doesn't do that sort of rotation, is what I would say. Yeah. Where they looked a bit leggy and, yeah, not quite there. Um, and, and ultimately, if, if Fulton's the only option, you look at the rest of the players. Cooper needs to start turning up a bit more to allow for more rotations and, and so on. You know, you could you could argue that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think... I don't think it's as bad. Also, with Patino, you're talking about him and covering the ground. I've noticed a significant drop-off in how much he offers in the first half to the second half. Right. And I, I guess that's why he gets substituted. But... There's definitely more errors and mistakes that creeping into his game from 50 plus minutes. There's been a couple I've noticed, yeah. And like, often, then you see him hooked to 60. Particularly when he's in the defensive third and he'd try and regular way and dribble his way yeah. out, and he's getting dispossessed maybe a bit more than he was at the start. Maybe people are knowing just to put pressure on him. Yeah. Um, one other thing when we're on midfield, I think another player who's He's probably gutted watching the sidelines. Maybe people have forgotten about it's Abdullah because he was playing on as, as a wing back because we didn't have a wing back for the first couple of games in August. I think he probably would be having a run out in midfield because that is his natural position, whether that's Cam or a bit deeper. I think he's, he's probably, um, probably, coming he back would, soon. Yeah, he would be getting minutes, I think. Now, whether it's off the bench or whether it's starting. If Liam Walsh is coming off the bench, is my point. You don't, you're not a massive fan of Liam Walsh, are you? I, I like him. He's just like Joe Allen. He's just... Um, you can't yeah. really rely on him to be there. For no, him. no, I, no, that's fair. I, 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 I just get frustrated because I feel like he, he showed so much of what he could be last season. And the end last, of last season, he's our best player, wasn't he? In the, yeah, he and, was and I just, games, but he was, it, it was weird. He just came back and he was, he was probably one of the best players in the division for the last. Couple that's of the promise that we, we, we were told when he signed. If he could keep him fit, fit he's a quality player, you know, oh. and that's the first time we really saw it. And I just wish we could see that so much more. Like he's he's having a good run at the moment. Touch wood. Let's hope that something can change and I he just doesn't that, pick up another injury ever. But I just after that many injuries, even if you've recovered, probably it's just psychologically you're scared to enter a full sprint. I would be at that point because I think so many of his injuries have been like muscular as well, haven't they? So you're yeah. almost just like waiting for something else to happen, or maybe had Achilles as well, which is a bad one. It's uh, it's unfortunate. It always, it always seems to be like uh, the ones who always have all the injury problems are like the quicker players, the ones who... Because um, he is fairly quick, you know, when, when he's yeah. dribbling with the ball. Not necessarily like in a, in a standalone race off the ball, but dribbling with the ball because he keeps it so close to his feet. There aren't many players I've seen down here who are quicker running with the ball than him. He's technically gifted and yeah. he can't show it enough because of his body is, is probably a good way of putting it. Yeah. And we've seen it before. I'm not comparing the players, but we've had technically gifted midfielders. You've had to say fair. We decided, yeah, and they just the injuries ruin them, and it's yeah. a shame. You could even argue Michu, he got ruined by that ankle injury that he picked up with us. Yeah, it shouldn't have kept so many advertising boards. So I don't make me. I would love to know if there's an actual link there, but ultimately, yeah, he, went to he went to Napoli on that loan, didn't he? And that was it. Like his career was done. After he left us, he didn't do anything. He like he didn't do anything else. 
he went Spanish second division or fourth division or something stupid he, like that. He couldn't stay he, fit. He couldn't oh, stay fit because whatever this ankle injury was, apparently was causing him so much pain. He just couldn't play football anymore. Like he what couldn't enjoy true, the football yeah. and he had the ankle of like an eight year old, the doctors told him, didn't they? Which is bizarre. I know. It's it's a real shame to see some players who it just doesn't work out because of injuries that are beyond their control, you know. That's probably but why that's, that's life. Club since though as well, because he was a twenty five million pound player easily that yeah. summer. Arsenal wanted him. I think they were offering for him, weren't they? Hindsight you would take it and you but you that's can't you can't argue. Yeah. yeah. I mean to be fair, probably might have been the right call. The bony one, they probably got right. Yeah, just shouldn't have bought him back. <laughs> They made the mistake there, but at least they cost a lot less than what they gained in the first yeah. place. Um, I never thought about it that way, really. But yeah, I think he got malaria when he went to Man City as well, didn't he? Oh, he had all, all the bad luck in the world. I'm not suggesting otherwise. Then Guardiola coming in. He was never going to be a Guardiola player, was he? He did all right in their first season. I, th- I don't think he necessarily had a bad Man City career. He was on the bench for City. I want to say it was a Champions League quarterfinal, semi-final. He was, yeah. in around, he was in and around the squad. So he, he did, he did score goals for him. Like, not the, the numbers that some of their other players do, but it's no. not like he didn't ever score. Like when he went to Stoke and he didn't score, other than against us. Yeah. I mean, it was a one-striker formation, I said, yeah, I believe, right? And he had a, they had Aguero, one of the best strikers yeah. in the league's history. So, you know, it was always going to be tough for him. Yeah. Anyway, we got heavily distracted. Let's have a look at some <laughs> of the... Uh, specifics about the Blackburn game. Let's uh Liam Cullen's goal and he scored the winning goal, the only goal of the match. Very good finish. And I've seen people saying they perhaps thought it was the sort of goal they thought Liam Cullen would show a bit more of. Um stuff that he used to do in his youth days. Because he did yeah. actually spend some of his time in his youth career playing on the wing. I want to say more on the left. Obviously, striker slash can play out wide. He's not just out wide. As I know he's a striker out wide, and we say he's a striker out wide first and foremost. But he has had history playing in those in those positions. I believe when he came on for his debut, actually, might have been Graham Potter, and he came on in a cup match. He came on on the yeah. wing. Um, but we don't really see that much of him cutting back and using his left foot like that. But I would love to see a bit more. Yeah, I mean, like like you've just touched on there, the technique he displayed for the goal, that is something we saw a lot at uh, uh, youth level, especially towards the end of his time in the youth uh, leagues, where, you know, it, it was silly. He was scoring, I think, 20 goals in two-thirds of the season, one season. It was pretty much a goal a game he was on. It was clear he needed that opportunity, and he got it. Um, the goals haven't really flown for him in his senior career. I know minutes of goals under Russell Martin was excellent, but then I've always sort of said pretty much the perfect system for him because as a, like a sort of poacher, which he is, or he wasn't the Russell Martin anyway, that system did produce a lot of chances, which he was able to put away. Played regularly this season. I believe that was only his second goal this season, if I'm right in saying that. One against Blackburn, one against Bristol City, I think. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, not that there's been... We haven't been a high-scoring side this season, either, mind, until very recently. But, uh, you know... We are, we are playing an inverted system. Now Lowe's on the left, cutting in on his right. Cullen's on the right, should be cutting in on his left. Hopefully, we see... You know, he's done it once, now maybe he thinks who realises 
I need to be doing more of that, like you say. But then also I do feel like compared to Jamal, though he does get on the ball less in games in general. There have been some home games where even though he started, yeah. you sort of forget he's there. And that's not a good thing, of course. And he did that, I thought, actually. And considering the opposition, disappointingly, in the Wales cap that he got, I thought he was quite a passenger in that game. I don't know if you watched much of it. Obviously, nice to see some again in the first cap. I, but I did watch he, it and I was lucky. He wasn't in the game. I started watching 15 minutes in and I checked the lineup and says he's there. And I watched until half time. I was like, he must have got injured in the first 10 minutes or something. I haven't seen him. And I did check. And yeah. You couldn't believe I, he was on the pitch. I felt a bit sorry for him because I think he was so excited to get his cap. He looked like a player that was looking for the ball everywhere but getting it nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, whether that was the case of an adjustment of playing in a different system, like in the international setup, in a, you're in a different system. It's the first time he's been there in that sort of fold. Maybe used to what he does in in, in Swansea and bringing that there, but it's not quite working. He went in the right place. You know, they were making opportunities. Like, well, they scored like what was it, five, four goals? Four nil, I think it was. Four nil. I was thinking, I I didn't know where he was playing. It was it was such a weird lineup, obviously because the opposition yeah. playing was so poor. I don't think it particularly mattered. You know, the structure itself. I feel we were always going to win that game because of how low ranked they were. Um, but it just seemed like a game of Kiefer Moore, didn't it? Get that wide cross the ball, Kiefer Moore. So yeah. Callum was never really going to be the focal point. Yeah, I just felt a bit like, oh, mate, you're literally like nowhere. I just, <laughs> you're not doing anything. But, um, and I think that's kind of the mould that he's become. We saw his technical ability and he gave us a reminder that he has got that with the goal that he scored against Blackburn. We don't see enough of it. And I think Liam Cullen's quite often associated with someone who works hard, keeps running and is a bit of a poacher. But that isn't what he was when he was playing youth football. No, I think at youth football, he quite clearly got technically above the level, didn't he? But uh, one one thing I think at youth level, obviously physicality wasn't an issue. That was one thing he didn't know how he was going to adjust to it. A senior football talking about a couple of years, but we are now finally seeing when he receives the ball, his feet you back in to hold on to for long enough. Not to be a target man, obviously, but to hold his own. He was very lightweight yeah. when he first started and he, he needed to have a good yard of space around him just to keep the ball moving. Te- technically, it's always been there. But I think he's probably he's probably filled out a bit by now. Obviously, I don't know exactly how he's transformed over the last couple of years. But it, it, it appears that way. Maybe he's got more intelligence, just how to hold somebody off. That comes with experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, local, uh, local lad, obviously one of our own, and his contract up in the end of the oh. year. There's been murmurings, we discussed it before the podcast, of other clubs looking at him. I'm not sure how much merit is in there. We'll never know really the merit of behind them. Personally, the situation to me seems like I don't really see why he'd want to go anywhere. I don't believe he does want to go anywhere. But maybe when you come into the last year of your contract, you're like, right, I would like to get a new deal. How am I going to get a new deal? There's not really anything happening at the moment. I think personally his agent's doing a job of drumming up this interest or at least the articles from these clubs. All right, these clubs need a striker. We just spoke about Blackburn. They don't really have a striker or an out-and-out one who's getting them the goals at the moment. They were looking in the summer. I don't believe they really replaced what they had last year. Touched on it earlier. Diaz obviously leaving. Easy link, you know, an easy link there. Yeah. Playing a similar system to what we were playing maybe last year. Again, Callan was there, part of that. 
easy link. So you want to drum up this interest, say these clubs are linked, so that Swansea turn their heads and like, oh, we better tie him down to a deal before we lose him on a cheap or on a free. And apparently there is apparently ongoing talks now that have been started, at least, which were confirmed by Duff in one of the interviews he did last week. I would like to see in the next few weeks a conclusion to that because I do think he's a good squad player to have. I say squad player, he's obviously in a good run of first-team football at the moment. I would just imagine if we recruit for this system we're currently playing now in January and next summer, you know, he's not going to be guaranteed to be starting on the wing week, week in, week out. And I guess he'd want to be challenging Jerry Yates up top, really, himself as well. Yeah, He'd probably want to play first and foremost, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's necessarily going to be starting every game on the wing, even if Josh Dinelli is fit, you know. So a good squad player to have, though, for sure. Yeah, I think a good squad player, and he will hopefully be in the years to come as well. As far as the media interest goes, people who are in the recruitment, you know, the transfer recruitment business, whatever you want to call it, I'm referring mainly to people from Market Insight, if you remember them, they uh, used to work for, or they used to advise Swansea for a year. They've publicly said like 95% of articles you see are just agents. It, it may well be that Blackburn wants him, but he may be choice number like eight on their list of strikers. He's on their like short list of, right, this guy's out of contract next year. We'll yeah. keep him on, on our tabs. Because as I said to you earlier on, I don't personally think he's done enough in the championship to command a fee, really. Not maybe a tiny fee, but... I don't really think a club's going to pay out for him, but he's definitely a player that a lot of clubs in the championship would pick up if his contract runs down. Oh, he'd be an excellent free transfer. If if you flip the tables a second and say we signed in that equivalent player on a free transfer, you're like, yeah, you can't, you can't, there's no real way of losing there. As a, you've got somebody who's no. got championship experience, performing to a decent enough standard, only 24, nearly 25 still. So it's a good age as well. We said he'd let him go to free. It's, I feel like we said something similar with Latibordia as well last season. You know, was, uh, I realised Latibordia was a bit younger. But, uh, He's not really yet, I think. Is he like 23? Uh, I thought he was 22, maybe 23 now. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, it, it doesn't. I know you've got the fact he's from Tenby. He's come from the academies. You know, it's just, that, that's probably on the heartstrings a bit there, I know. But you'd it, it, be sad to see him go to free, particularly because he's playing week in, week out. So it's. It'd be a bit pointless from that perspective. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Can't make the away day? Just get yourself comfortable, load up Swans TV, grab your phone and order a mug delivery. Away days at home never tasted so good. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Speaking of Joe Latabodia, a couple of weeks ago, 
I'm, I'm in a chat with a bunch of other podcasts across the championship and quite a lot of Coventry fans have been credited him in him with being like their player of the season so far. Really? They've had a pretty poor season, mind, but still nice to you. Yeah, huh? but I mean, poor season and he's a defender. So you'd think ultimately, you know, they're conceding goals and not winning games. But this was a few weeks ago. I don't know whether it's changed recently. I don't know how much he's been in the team of late, but... He did start in the in the, the back three. He's playing centre back for him, which is not something he really did consistently for us. And uh, yeah, they they they're quite happy with how he's been performing. So that's well, nice for him. He's finally had a good run in his actual position, not a I mean, wing back. He's never a wing back because yeah, I felt bad for him. He was always a scapegoat when we did bad. But then yeah, we, yeah, we, we won that badly out of position. We piled on him sometimes, but we oh. always did uh, did it with the caveat of. We're not criticising him, really, because he's out of position doing his best. But you've got to acknowledge that that's a weakness of what we were doing on the pitch and the club did, decided not to fix that problem several times. Yeah, it was crazy. When they had the opportunity to do that, you know. So it's just for you, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, Harry Darling ended up being a right-back at some point last season, so... I wouldn't say he's a right back, but he's done a decent job there sometimes. He's not good at right back. He, he hasn't looked out of place. He's a bit unorthodox. No. Maybe like it gives me Dan Burn vibes. If you understand what I mean, that sort of build. Yeah, I never. Board. I don't understand how Dan Burn's a left back. Yeah, don't I mean, don't don't get that at all. He, he's got a rare like athletic build in that he doesn't look like he should be as quick and as mobile as he is, but he just is for some reason. It's not like Pedersen. Like Pedersen's what six four. He, he, he is slow and not as agile he does a good job but he has weaknesses burn doesn't seem to have those weaknesses for whatever reason yeah and that's um surprised brighton well, brighton sell a lot of players don't they but still manage to find new gems all the time fair play to them yeah okay so liam cullen i think almost an upwards for him i would like to see him scoring a few more goals if anything i'd like to see him back in himself in the sort of position he got himself into to score this goal now he's had that, maybe see it a bit more. Not that many of our players at the moment having a pop from outside the box, and it's nice to see one of our forwards doing it to some success. Josh Janelli obviously showed us he could. He's not really around that much. I was actually told by, um, I think it was the Sunderland uh, preview that, that we had recently, that it might be the Blackburn one. It was one of the two, but Josh Janelli played in the game against whichever team it was for the teams he was with Preston, back in the day probably. I don't think it was Preston it was when he was on loan somewhere in a lower league team right? and he basically scored the equivalent goal of what he scored against Northampton for us because he was, t- he was telling me the story about a cup match was playing against this lower league team Josh Janelli was there um, and he just banged in a goal from like 30 yards so they were interested to see if he was going to play just, just because they saw that before I was like, oh, unfortunately, he's not going to be. But funnily enough, he did the exact same thing for us earlier in the season when he banged in a goal against Northampton from about the same range. So it was a gutting injury, still, because know. it was it, it was just as we were transitioning to a system that was going to suit him perfectly. Yeah, I'm hoping that he can recover from it and offer the same. It's difficult one to recover from sometimes. I mean, at least I mean he'll be back and then have the summer to build his fitness up. 
is, is the one good thing. You just never know the long-term effect of those sort of injuries what they oh, have yeah. on your agility and mobility and all that sort of stuff. Especially but, for the player he is as well, like you say, because he is yeah. deep agility. Just like Jordan Morris in there when he picked up oh, that injury oh, and he was Jordan second Morris. in the other leg to the, what he's done it before. And you think, can can they get back to that level, you know? But it was nice to see him in the World Cup, to be fair. Well, done with Jordan Morris, man. I spent three days, like, compiling footage of the, just to analyse his game. And I made a, it's why it was like a 50 tweet long um, Twitter thread of, like, his footage from um, uh, the MLS. And then got all his engagement and all the Seattle Sounders fans were on it. And that's all brilliant. And then yeah. was three games in ACL, I was like, oh. We we made a good connection with the Seattle Sports Union over him, and it's a shame because I think I think he would have had a good loan spell and ultimately probably would have stayed. He, he seemed like an exciting player. If we went up, he would have stayed. I don't, I don't think we could have afforded him on a permanent. I don't know how much they would have wanted for him. He came I'm, because he I'm wanted to come like seven eight mil, surely. Do you reckon? I think so. I mean, US international. He's only, he's, what was he at the time, 27? I don't know what his contract situation was like, but, you know, the reason he came on loan in the first place was was to to stay over here, you know. He, it was his last last opportunity to make a move to Europe, basically. It, did look it, like it, it needed to work for league. him. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we could have got, gone up that year, though, couldn't we, in, in due respect, to be fair. Um, we were second at the time. It looked like we were going up. It did, but um, we needed a striker, didn't we? Essentially, yeah. and I guess that he could have been that man. So, oh, if if that's maybe he looked good when he played, like the very few minutes he played, he looked good. That's, that's what's so annoying about it. Yeah, I think he came on in a really poor game. Was it against Huddersfield? And we were like four one down or half time, or four 0 down or half time. And he came on or half time. To change to try and change the game, or maybe it was three 0 So it was it was a bad game. That's why he came on at half time, and I think it just yeah. You saw that injury, and you were like, right, I'm turning off now. It's I'm done for the day. I'm done with football. Oh, so sad. <laughs> it was sad. Um, anyway, don't know. We got into Jordan Morris. Reminiscing um, a lot today, Luke, and we we were. Uh... <laughs> uh, we've only got one <laughs> game to talk about, haven't we? So we're, we're nearly there. We're nearly done. It's a late one, so we're recording that this at well, at the moment it's like twenty past ten. A late one after I come straight home from work, so unfortunately it was less of a planned episode, but it's uh, it's all all good, all the same. Back to the game though, Jamal Lowe's two disallowed goals. Now, not necessarily going to talk about the detail of the disallowed goals. I think they were marginally correct. The second one was the one that was more disputed. I don't think you can argue really that it was wrong. You could say debatable, but I don't think it's not an obvious mistake regardless it was good to see him put the goal put the ball in the goal twice uh, you know he hasn't scored the most amount of goals from open play since he's come back he's quite a few been penalties and that's not a problem but I think I said maybe uh, after the last after the Watford defeat I hadn't seen a lot awful lot personally from him a lot of people have been happy with him since he's come back and I've been the same but I wanted to see a bit more from open play and I guess two disallowed goals is, the, is an attempt to kind of sort that out. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gut, as gutted for him as he probably was that both of them were disallowed purely because on another day, if they were that tight, they could easily have just had the flag kept down, benefit of the doubt for the striker. 
But yeah, I, I think one thing with Lowe has always been, you know, is he a clinical striker? I know he had that hot spell at one point under Steve Cooper, but last time he was here, he probably would have said no. But coming back so far, he's be- he's buried what chances he's had. He hasn't had like you know a ton of chances every single game. So it's nice to see. I think it, surely it will give him confidence, regardless of whether they were allowed yeah. or not. He knows that he's getting through. He's putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, definitely. And whatever they were doing to make those opportunities definitely needs to be more the same. I mean, he's been in the Premier League, so you'd you'd like to think he should be a better player since we had him last time, in theory. I know he probably didn't play the most amount of football while he was there, but you've surely got to be a better player for being in the team while they're in the Premier League and with those players. Like They stayed up, so it's not like they were relegation fodder when they went up. So maybe we've seen some of the rewards of that compared to when he was here last time. A lot of different system as well to what he was used to. You know, he left under Russell Martin by all accounts because he wasn't going to suit the style. Yeah. And as and I would say are we gonna are we gonna say that Michael Duff's in between Cooper and Martin style? I don't really know where we would place him. And the minute but, he is, isn't he? Yeah. That's I mean great. it's definitely working for him at the moment. Maybe more so playing out wide than accompanying Jerry Yates up top as well. Yeah, that's one thing people forget. He wasn't really a striker until we made him one at Wigan. He was playing on the wing, unless I'm mistaken. He may have no, played no, up that's right. He yeah. was stri- He was on the wing. Yeah, on the wing, I believe, yeah. yeah. We kind of utilised him forward. We, we have a habit for just like making wingers strikers and strikers wingers. Yeah, Steve see. Cooper liked to, you know, Andre Ayew, winger, striker. Yeah. Jamal Lowe, winger, now you're a striker now. I'll reminisce some more. Jordan Ayew and Nathan Dyer was a front two under Carvajal at one point. Yeah. Uh, there's probably been a few of them, to be fair, over yeah. over the years. <clears throat> okay. Um, Blackburn obviously didn't exactly roll over in this game. They they started the game very well. I think we were... Some pe- I, I heard the words weathered the storm for the first 15 minutes and obviously we went and took control of the first half afterwards but they definitely came back into it towards the end now there's a criticism of Swansea and Michael Duff that we have sometimes sap if we one nil up and we don't get that second the longer the game goes on we just start sitting back and soaking it up and defending we managed to do it this time do you have anything to say about that do you think there's there's more to that or um I'm not sure. I mean, I think it depends on the opponent. I'm trying to think, like Sheffield Wednesday, we definitely didn't sit back. Maybe that was an outlier of a game because of you know, the you know the opponent. Were but really but when we were one up, though, they could have scored, couldn't they? And then we got the second one, perhaps against the run of play. Yeah, they hit the bar, we were on the back foot, and then pretty much we went straight up the other end, made it 2-0, and then two minutes after that, it was 3-0. That was yeah, the 2-0 is what makes the, the difference, I think. Yeah, and I think you are right in what you're saying, QPR. We... Went one nil up in the first you know, five ten minutes. Definitely sat back, did nothing else for the rest of the game. Preston, I want to say we played some decent stuff after going one nil up. Let them back into the game. I'm hoping now that we're not on you know a losing streak. Maybe that mentality shifted a bit. There was almost a case of okay, we haven't won a game yet. Let's just dig in and hold on. We won if, what five of our last seven now, I believe. So I, I, I don't maybe think we're in that mindset of, right, just hold on to 1-0 lead, see it out. Particularly not at home. 
but then it seems to be at home we're not actually going ahead a lot yeah. of the time in the first place. Depends who you're playing against, isn't it? The Watford yeah. game was different to the Leicester game, for example, but you know, two losses nonetheless. And we've got Sunderland to look forward to this weekend. We'll touch on that uh, next briefly. But I think regardless of it being intentional or not, I think it's important to note this was an away game. You'd expect the home team, if they're 1-0 down, to the longer that it's 1-0 they are down, going towards the end of the game, the home fans are going to expect something, aren't they? To like, are you going to have a go with this? You're going to throw everything at it? You're at home. Can't just accept a 1-0 defeat. I guess people will argue after the Watford game on that point, but that's what you would expect to see. So yeah, and we held on. We did held on, hold on. That that's the bottom line, which we didn't do against QPR. So you could argue there's a bit of improvement, and it's not like we didn't have any chances in the second half. Patterson probably should have scored to make it two nil, and Ashby went close as well. To be fair, I said about Josh Key taking on people more often than Ashby, but he he did hit the ball past an opponent and ran onto it very well in this game and, and had a shot from outside the box that fizzled just past the post. So fair play to him because he nearly got on a score sheet too. He's got some but pace yeah. about him, Ashby. He does. I think he's one of those ones maybe he's a bit deceivingly quick. Maybe because of his build, he doesn't look as quick as he actually is. Yeah, once once he gets going, definitely can um, make an impact there. Um, so that, that's I think that's partly why we're away from home. You're only one nil up, so it is a small lead. One goal is a draw, isn't it? One one goal is a point, so you'd expect teams to come at you. But we we also already spoke about this earlier in terms of the depth of the squad, tiredness of the players. I think the later you go into any match at the moment, you see that more. Yeah. And it's no surprise to me if if in matches in general we fizzle out a little bit at the moment. Because when was the last time any of the front floor four changed, for example, to start a game? Since we switched to that back uh, back four yeah. formation, really. You know? Yeah, and then people, you know, Grimes plays 90 minutes every game and people want Patino to be there, but Falton generally comes in. And again, the, the back four, there's been changes at wing back, but in terms of this, there's not that much rotation on the whole. Injuries partly a result and the formation partly a result. But if you're only 1-0 up going into the last 10, 20 minutes, I feel like that's something we're going to continue to see to some capacity, unfortunately, naturally. Yeah. But I also think that's why the way that Duff is playing with the high press to try and get their mistakes and get early goals is vitally important because he wants to get that early lead. And if you can get that second goal at a comfortable time in the match, it's easier to manage the rest of the game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And on that point, let's let's move forward to Sunderland because I said a similar thing in the pre-match, or I can't remember if it was in our video or their video on their channel, so the What The Fuck podcast, play on words for the guy's surname, Graham, who... I was speaking to, so go check that out. I'm not swearing, I swear. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of them tongue twister ones. Very easy to slip up, yeah. but yeah, he, I was I was saying, you know, when when yeah, when 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 Sunderland come down, they are a team that also like to play football, but that could suit us really. It could suit us in a way. It would give us more space to exploit, but also allow us to press them if they're coming at us and playing out where we could get an opportunity. It might go the other way and they, they you know, they're a good team, so they could easily um do some damage themselves. And they've got some quality players. Jack Clark definitely one to look out for. 
But if we can get an early goal, like we did against Norwich, for example, I feel like a 1-0 one, one early lead at home is something that will be very comfortable for us because they have to come at us more and that should suit the system that we are playing even more so for us to, to get the second and third. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say I expect it to be similar to the Bristol City game. Not in that we're going to get absolutely battered, but if, do you remember how end-to-end that game yeah. was? I feel like this is going to be a really open football match and it, it could well be who scores first, who dictates who ends up winning it, actually. I'm not sure this will be a game where, you know, if we score, do you see us chucking away the lead? If they score, do you see them chucking away the lead? I, it, it could just be a confidence thing, honestly. Whoever takes the lead goes on, pushes on, gets our second. Um, get to see Joby Bellingham this time around rather than Jude. Don't we? Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying Jude Bellingham as debut against us, right? Remember when he was 16, he came off the bench, the Liberty, or am I making that up? I'm not sure, but I'll have a look. I feel like he was either his debut or it was very early on. I compared him to Zizan the other day in one of the videos we did. <laughs> I mean, at the minute, I feel like at the moment he is kind of Zidane reincarnated this season he's on for Real Madrid. He's got, I, the reason I feel bad for him now is that He's English. He's probably the best player in the world over the last couple of months. Now he's going to have all the hype that comes with it. And then there's going to be some massive fall from grace at some point. It's always The English media are always the same. They build them up, they build them up, and then at some point they turn them down. You mean like the next Jack Wilshire or something? I, I think I'm selling Bellingham a bit short by calling him Jack Wilshire already, if I'm honest. No, I just mean about the hype that they made about him. Yeah. I guess you the know. difference with Bellingham is he's already there and he's doing it now, whereas Wilshire, yeah. apart from the odd game in the Champions League, he never really... Wilshire never got to that level, of no. course. I, I know that. I just mean in terms of like they hype up the next big thing. Yeah. Maybe, and again, take the ability of the player out of it, but Deli Ali got hyped up massively and fell off oh. a cliff. Yeah. Um, but there we go. He made his Football League debut appearance 19 days later than... I'm just reading off Wikipedia. But basically, yeah, he made his Football League debut against Swansea as a second-half substitute in a 3-0 away defeat. There we are. So when I've been telling that fact to people, I haven't been lying. Nice one. And when, what, who was the manager when that was? Was it Steve Cooper? I think Steve Cooper, yeah. That is crazy. Because that isn't that long ago. No, because I remember him coming on and just thinking, who is this? He's only 20 years old. He was 16. It was like, he's still only 20 years old. That's crazy. That is crazy. It feels like he's been around for ages. And because obviously he went from Birmingham. Uh, well, he was only, so he made his debut and then last summer he went to Dortmund. Yeah, he was there for a year at Birmingham, wasn't he? And then, uh, well, in the first, in the first team. Yeah, in the first team, sorry for you. That's nuts, though, isn't it? Because I'm lucky now. He was in, he was at Birmingham's youth team, 2010, 2019. So obviously made his, he's made his debut at, what, 16? Yeah, 16. I think it was That must be the youngest that you can yeah. play then. I, no, you can play when you're 15, I'm pretty sure. Can you? I thought you could. Well, he, he became Birmingham City's youngest ever first team player. Yeah, I think I would imagine it's got to be sixteen. It might be something to do with school. Possibly. If you're still in school. Yeah, so I think is it sixteen the age from which you um, can leave, right? There, right. There's some right. There's there's yeah. like, you know, at the end of the day, being a professional football player is a job, and there is under there's young worker laws and stuff that 
I guess yeah. you'd still have to follow if you're in a football environment as you would in any other job. It could just be it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, it's probably not worth the effort. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to expose maybe a kid of that age as well to to that. Um, but yeah, one year in Birmingham, go to Dortmund, and now he's 20 years old, smashing La Liga for Real Madrid. He scored t- 12 goals in his, what, three years at Dortmund? Two years, three years at Dortmund? But yeah, he had like seven or eight last year, I want to say, and he's already scored 10. And he scored 10 in 10 appearances for Real Madrid. That's why I was comparing him to Zidane, because it's just nuts, and he's playing in midfield, isn't he? So, well, like Cam. Well, how far off is he top goal scorer in the league? He probably is. Yeah. He, he pro- La Liga. I mean, we've gone off on another tangent. Yeah, oh, sure. yes, this, this is less of a Swansea podcast, more of just like life. No, nah, that's all good. It's all football. I mean, Swansea's quite, uh, it's one topic, isn't it? So it's nice to broaden yeah. horizon sometimes. But yeah, he's he's top goal scorer by three goals. Oh, yeah. Anton Griezmann second, so he's still knocking about there. I mean, they don't have Ronaldo or Messi anymore. Nah, La Liga will never be the same now, will it? Unfortunately. But, uh, Lewandowski's only on five for comparison. He is like 34 now, though, right? Alvaro Morata on six. To be fair, Atletico Madrid have got Griezmann on seven and Morata on six. There we are. Anyway, Sunderland. <laughs> I, can, I, can pull it, I can pull it back around to Swansea because I think we were linked to David Vila once. Uh, Oh, I feel we've ticked every box now for uh, the reminiscent story. Memory lane, yeah. <laughs> that would be silly. That would be absolutely silly. That would be a... Yeah. And Andre Schuller was another one, wasn't he? He was signing for us, wasn't he? But um, some, I think someone, someone got injured. injured. Yeah. Yeah. And then they pulled the plug and we got relegated. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, Sunderland. So, what do you expect going into the game then? Do you think we can carry on? I, I, I think personally, Michael Duff needs to get a home win under his belt here. If I were to guess, I'd say score draw, but it could also just be a game of, like I said, somebody takes a lead and just runs away with it. it I don't know what to. There's been quite a few games. I think it's mainly us rather than the opposition. I don't know what to expect anymore. I, I feel like under Russell Martin, I sort of had an idea of what a game was going to be like, and sometimes. It turned out to be the case now nowadays i think because we're still figuring out who we are as well like i know i can i can describe our shape but when someone asks right how do you look to break teams down it's more about reacting to the opposition rather than it is us doing anything and then putting yeah. ourselves on the opposition so it's more, it's more a case of how what a sunderland going to be like on the day when they turn up and then that will probably dictate how the game goes yeah no, that's fair. I think I, I'd like to see Michael Duff get a home win. I think he needs it after the last two home games. Even to keep the momentum of the fans getting back on side and all the rest of it, which which a lot of them are now, to be fair. They they do come out when we get a loss in the ones that are like yeah, the, still the boo boys. The spoos regularly. It, it didn't used to be the case. Russell Martin had us just like staying quiet at the final whistle for quite a lot of his spell, apart from that really bad run in the middle. <clears> like, I... um. I've got a lot to say on that. We spoke a lot about it last week. I had a bit of a rant about the situation around us losing a game at the moment. Because I ultimately disregard the Leicester result. If we're talking about our form. Yeah. I just think, just look at Leicester in the league and take it out. Take them out. Every team is is falling to them. You know, every single team. They've literally lost one game in, what, 14? 
Yeah, I don't think ridiculous. we booed Leicester. I don't think they would yeah, so, 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 so what I'm trying to say is, if you take Leicester away, mm. that's one loss in six games. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. And five wins. So why was this so negative after Watford? And I know it was a poor result, and I know it was a poor performance, but it's still one loss in six games and five wins. It's so counterproductive when people boo. I hate it. Maybe I'm soft, I don't know. But I'm No, feeling- I don't think... I don't think you are. I agree. I think it's just ridiculous. I think I don't think it ever used to be this bad. Where people can have an opinion, I understand that, and they can voice their frustrations, but also be realistic and be fair. And fourteen games into a season, when we're sitting like thirteenth, booing a loss at home to Watford, that is not fair. And I'm not sure people realise how much of an impact it has as well. Like, maybe not so much now for the way we're playing, but when we were playing the style of football under Russell Martin and it was three wins and 22 or whatever we had, they were so scared to just, you know, take risks on the ball because the crowd were piling on them every single time they lost the ball and made a mistake. It actually, like, really diminishes their ability to impose themselves on the game. Do you know the biggest um, point to back up what you were saying is how Steve Cooper's fortunes changed under lockdown as soon as there was yeah. no fans in the stadium. Yeah, that's fair. And we, we ultimately managed to get into the playoffs in his first season on the back of that. And then the second season was quite successful as well. And I know the fans came back, but there was all of a sudden no pressure. Well, we right there no the fans. End, we came back, didn't we? We came back yeah. for the playoffs and that was it. Yeah. And oh, I'll, and the playoffs didn't go very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Brentford was ridiculous, but I, 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 that's one thing I don't want to reminisce about is that playoff final. Yeah, I, really don't. I, I, I just think it shows how important or, or how important the fans are and how much impact they can have when they don't realise. And I know firsthand because I've I've got people who know players. Like my uncle I spoke about before knows Norton, and I've heard you know it does have an impact. It does. They do, they hear it, they might not acknowledge it, but they hear it. And when you're not in a good run of form, that doubt creeps into your decision making. And that's when the issues can arise then, because they want to just play the safe pass because they're scared of making a mistake. But you can't necessarily then win games because you're not taking that risk, you know? Yeah. And I think Michael Duff's game plan, where it differs from Russell Martin's especially, is... He wants some players who wouldn't take as many risks anyway last year to take a few more, Mac Grimes, for example, trying to create opportunities. So it's important that we are encouraging that even when it doesn't necessarily work. I understand the runner form that led up to Cardiff. If if that sort of runner form happens again, you know, it's maybe is a bit more fair. But one loss to Watford at home. And I was arguing, you know, Watford have been in the Premier League more recently than us. So even though they've got their own issues that put them in a position where they below us in the league, if we are entitled to just win that game and to just be doing better in the league and to be higher up, what are their fans thinking? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of entitlement ever since we got promoted, if we're being honest. I think we think we are bigger than what we are. And I know it's like quite a basic metric to rank it on because I know there's some smaller clubs and us on paper in the Prem with like Brentford and Bournemouth and stadium capacity. But just run through the attendance, run through the stadium sizes in the championship. We're like 
I want to say 19th, 18th, 19th, we're really low down. We're, the only reason that we are considered a big club is because of the infrastructure we have in place because we've been in the Premier League. Yeah. Just because we've been there for seven years, that doesn't give us the right to be where we are. We look how easy it was for Derby and Reading to slip into League One. Sunderland, Portsmouth. Really soon after being in the Premier League, or more recently for like Reading and Derby, they've been in playoff battles. Like Reading were in a playoff final against, um, was it Red? No, Derby, sorry, were in a playoff final. And yeah. they lost to Villa. And, and then they had two relegation battles before eventually slipping through the trapdoor. Reading were, I want to say, they locked nailed on the playoffs for an entire season because they had like seven wins in a draw in their first eight games one year. And we knocked them a relegation well. battle the year after Barnsley. I know Barnsley aren't like a big club. We had them in the playoffs. They've looked brilliant under Ismail straight down the next year. We've seen from the way under Russell Martin last season and the way we started this season, it can very quickly change from, or can we make top six? So let's just not get relegated. So I'm, I'm seeing like booing a home because of one, like you say, one loss to Watford. It winds me up. It does wind me up. Yeah, it winds it winds me up as well, and you see it all over social media too. And I just it's so counterproductive. And be be we're only going to criticise. Be constructive about it. Don't yeah. just like there's a lot of stick for Paul Watson, and it seems to only come out when we lose. There's certain accounts that are quite vocal about the same stuff, and it makes absolutely no sense. I've never read so much rubbish. Like. It really, really like you can criticize the board and stuff. Some of the stuff they do, but not everything they've done is bad. You know, we could be in a far worse position. I'm not arguing. I'm not trying to stick up for them or argue their case there, but um, I think a lot of fans who maybe started supporting during what is still a successful period of Swansea City's history could have a look at the overall history and and, and yeah. understand that as much as being a mid-table championship team is not the most successful period you might have known in your Swansea City history, it is still above average for the club. Not only that, but you don't even need to look at our history. All we have to do is look at just the landscape of football in general. The American owners, you know, they're nobody's cup of tea. But nowadays, they're very much just sort of ghosts and they let other people run it for us. We're still being run sustainably, which is huge. Yeah. Like... I think that's, now, that's what I mean when I say like yeah. credit them for certain things. The sustainability part of it, you might not agree with the lack of investment, but I'd rather I'll take this over any of the points deductions and administrations and double relegations that some of the bad management can offer. And staff not getting paid, which is quite a common one at the minute. And then that, that that's when it gets more serious. It goes beyond, you know, whether we win or lose on a Saturday and that gets to just like people can't pay their mortgages. You know, and, and yeah. I know... Them, Get a bit deep now, but honestly, well, that's the reality, some, though, some, isn't some it? Some people that's... need a lot deeper than just the, the game of football that they're seeing yeah. on Saturday. I think also. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I just think overreaction sometimes in our fan base is is a growing trend. People spoke with the atmosphere; it's been quite poor for a while now at the stadium. It's probably a fair comment. You know, the the crowds are lower in general. Nice there is a vocal corner. Though. Yeah. <laughs> an unconventional way of trying to drum up the crowd but the fact that I they need to it. try and do that then I found it quite funny mainly because I don't think the away end had any idea what was going on 
and they couldn't actually see what was going on. All they would have heard was the sound out of nowhere. Yeah. I was just picturing being in that Watford away, and that would be the funny. Like, I appreciate the efforts. It's probably not the best way to do it, but ultimately, why do they... They've obviously realised they feel the need to do something. Yeah. You know, what did they do before? They put, like, clappers on the seats and everyone went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that was but, playoffs, I think, wasn't it? But, yeah, that was that was a weird one. There's only 3,000 people there, wasn't it? Yeah, but, like... Leicester done that, didn't they? But successfully, and the fans loved it. I think when they were in their title-winning season, that was a big thing. They, they would have loved anything and... when you're winning a Premier League title, though. They? They're just trying to drum up a bit of sound, didn't they? And I yeah. guess that helps the players. And you're going to get the American tint on it, which is probably where the fireworks come from, because they want to make a spectacle on a display. But they're trying. They're trying in the wrong areas, personally, is what I think. If you want to improve the match day experience. Though. It depends what you're after. They said match the experience. So for me, match the experience. You want to make the venue better and the food, the drink, the queues, offer a reason to go there before kickoff. You know, stuff like that. I've been to a few away games where they do that so much better. You know, yeah. we don't really have anything outside the ground. A lot of food, um, a lot of stadiums these days, you know, the fence in the area is off. So you go through a a barrier to get into, especially in the away ends, to get into that outdoor away end area, and they got bars and stuff outside, and food, food cars and stuff like that outside, food vans, with options, and you've got a reason to go there early. Then, as well, I don't really think we do a very good job of that. Personally, I think that would help. Don't know what you do during the match, and that's what I mean. Credit for them trying there. Um, I guess that you the easier argument is oh play better do better on the pitch, but as I said last week, um, people calling out when we had four wins in what was it the first eleven games, half the league was in the same boat as us. So yeah. does that mean it, half the league needs to play better and half the league needs to sack the manager, or yeah. is it just a competitive league? I mean, even now though, like talk about how like how tight it is. I mean. Leeds are on 25 points in third. And then Coventry are on 15 points in 20. There's 10 points between third, yeah. 20th, after 14 games. You could, you could limit that more and say Cardiff are in sixth on 23. And Millwall are on 17 and 18th. There's two wins between sixth and 18th. And well, fifth, because West Brom are on 23 well, yeah, fifth. Fifth, yeah. I said last week in the podcast that... Um, I thought Leeds and Southampton might start to pull away. So of lesser Ipswich, Leeds, Southampton. And then everyone else might be playing for fifth and sixth in the playoffs. And that could go down as far as, pff, I don't even know, like what, Millwall in 18th there and 17. I'd say even lower, honestly. Like, yeah. For me, Plymouth and Plymouth could kick on. Coventry have not got going. They've they've spent what I want to say eight mil on. But they could five mil on Ellis Sims. Neither of them yeah. at the minute. The team that gets it right at the right stage of the season and goes on that run that we had at the end of last year. Maybe we were not, we started that run one match earlier. We were in the picture. Yeah, you know, we've, we've said this a few times over the last few. Yeah, years. Yeah, so well, you get that right, but we were like closer to relegation when that run started so just highlights how it can all change so quickly the team that gets the right run the good momentum at the correct time can just shoot up the table it's anyone's game we're only 14 games in 
that table could be flipped upside down in that midfield by, yeah. by the time the playoffs come. In the midfield, yeah. I mean, what I would say is that bottom four, for me, they're nailed on as the bottom four. They're so, I, they're so much... Huddersfield, keep in mind, they got off to a good start when they had Warnock. They've been terrible since. For, for me, that bottom four is so much worse than the rest yeah. of the league. I'd even say, you say bottom four. Huddersfield down is what I'm saying. It, 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 but I don't know which one of the other three can improve to even... Well, bring... Queen's Park Rangers just switch manager. Yeah, but they've gone for someone who's never managed in the championship from abroad. I I never buy the thing of oh they've they're international they don't work because for me you can have somebody who's managed here before and they come in and just, like Darren Moore has managed. I guess here you before. could look at Cardiff's manager as well. To be fair, yeah, Darren Moore has managed here before. With I know he's gone to Huddersfield and they've been you know below average is kind of nicely by the sounds of it. Regardless, bottom three, bottom four, I do think you're right in that that's their own little battle now. Yeah. I can't see Coventry getting dragged into it. They, they've but... got too much quality in that squad for me. They're going to go on a run at some point. Yeah. Whether that's imminently, I don't know. But, uh... you know, Plymouth, aren't... we beat them, of course, but it wasn't an easy match for us by any stretch. And they've had a lot of plaudits, even though they maybe haven't got all the points to show for it. They smashed Norwich. Norwich are on a hell of a bad run at the moment. Yeah, that could, the you know, I... they, they're someone that could change it round. And they're one of the ones I predicted to be in that region of the table, 18th, 19th, and I got a lost stick for that. But it looked, you know, what's that four losses in a draw from the last five? Yeah, bad. It really poor at the end of last season. Too, and not nothing really changed over the summer for me. They're not the yo-yo club they have been of late. That's no. for sure. The Darren Watford Weber is leaving. Norwich. Oh, is he? Yeah. He was like getting all plaudits just a couple of years ago when they were in the Premier League for how to run a football club, but the fans have just turned in them. Talk about lack of investment for us, the amount of money that's come into that football club. Because they're like sort of, I want to say fan owned in one way or another, Norwich. The money hasn't really been spent that they brought in. Well, they've always been criticised for being happy to take the parachutes every other year and they don't really invest to stay up but they know when they go back down they got a squad to go back up has been the kind of narrative around them so they you know they're lapping up all this money at some point it's gone wrong yeah clearly um Watford again you know they beat us of course but they shouldn't be where they are they're still a parachute payment club they they brought forward their parachute payments by loan or whatever, they, they they did something where they basically brought, they took out loans against their future parachute payments basically this year, all all or bust, and it didn't work. So now they're paying the price of it, which is why they've had a bad recruitment. They haven't really got anything. They've sold a lot of their players, and and yeah, they're not looking very good at the moment. And you can say they're still a parachute club, but they are struggling because they 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 went all or bust and they went bust really. I just worry with them, do they have the personnel to play the way their manager wants them to? I don't know if they do. Like I know they beat us, but I didn't know what they were, if that makes any sense. No, and, and we the like lads I spoke to said the same. They, they don't, they're not enjoying life for the moment. They were surprised they beat us. They, hands down, thought they were convinced we were going to roll them over. So I knew the writing was on the wall as soon as I spoke to them. Yeah. I was like, you're saying all this, like, I know what's going to happen. 
<laughs> but they were adamant they weren't going to win that game. Um, I just, it's just, I think, and I said this the other day as well, but for me, all the teams in this midfield, including us, nobody, I think we're all the same level, and it just comes down to who can put a run of form together. There's so many teams at the same level here. You've got teams that are cut above that are clearly running away with it. And then that midfield, I don't think I've ever seen it so competitive. It is where, it is. It'd be interesting it to is. see what it's like after Christmas. Yeah. Some will drop off probably. Birmingham won for me now. Terrible decision getting rid of Eustace. Rooney's come in. Already the fans have turned it in after like three games. That was that was awful though. Crazy decision. Absolutely crazy. But but to highlight what I'm saying and to end that point really, Middlesbrough, they shot up from relegation to basically get into the playoffs, got there, and then lost to Stoke, who haven't necessarily had a good season themselves, but have now come into a bit of form Stoke have. So it just can turn so quick. Yeah, it can exactly. turn so quick. It's exciting, though. I feel like, like you said, yeah. I think the front, the top three will be the top three, probably in that order. Like Leeds, I think, they, they could catch up, switch. Leicester are gone already. I don't see how anybody catches them. Southampton, I think, do do have the possibilities to drop down. I, I don't think they're nailed on to be. Fourth. No, they're not nailed on. I think on the the playing personnel should be where they are. Yeah. Whether they can avoid the mistakes that they have been making earlier this season for the rest of the season, and knowing Russell Martin as we do, if he gets a bad run, he can get a bad run. So. Because I've said all along, on paper, they've got the best starting 11 in the league, Southampton, even above Leicester for me. But obviously they had such a bad run at the start. And Le- Leicester, it's, it's weird watching them because they didn't look like they clicked against us and they still could have scored like five. It, it was like, yeah. Only he's, bringing, he's bringing a lot of Man City traits with him to Leicester, I think. Yeah. Our manager is with the constant rotation being one of them. But it's working. They keep managing to find a win. Because I've, I've said they're not blowing teams away, you know. 3-1 against us, but we say we give them a hard game. Yeah, it could have been more. And then 1-0 against Sunderland. 2-1 against QPR, you know, and QPR are abysmal. Yeah, it's a weird But they're, just, they're just getting the wins. They're just getting the job done. Well, they're on track or something stupid, like 127 points, which would obliterate the record for the league and if switch or 34 if it were not for Leicester they'd have the highest points total at this point in the championship season that's what's bizarre Leeds so they both won. broke the record basically but Ipswich won't technically break it because somebody else broke it better yeah that's and that's nuts to think about like Leeds on 25 they are 14 points off top spot on a normal Championship third. season, they, they, yeah, they'd fourteen points off top spot in third, but in a normal championship season, they'd probably be like within three or four. You'd imagine it's, it's, it's just yeah, crazy, really. Yeah, nuts. Um, okay, the last thing we want to touch on, and we're not going to spend long on this because I know it's running on, but there is big news that happened today, and that is Swansea City appointing. I don't know how to say his name, so you can correct me if you want. But Ken Geed, Good, Good. I'm going to go pick Gude. one of them. We'll go with that for now. It's American, isn't it? So yeah. that sounds American. Ken Good as chief of staff and head of strategy. So 
I don't know what that means. No, do, do you I. know what that I'm means? Not, I'm, I'm not going to pretend. It, 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 I'm not. I'm going to pile on a guy who I literally don't know. He could be lovely. He could do a wonderful job for us. It sounds like a made-up role, doesn't it? Chief of staff and head of strategy. Like, have you ever actually heard of that job role? It, it, he's been I here for some time, been. apparently, because he's moved on his family here, and um, Andy Coleman saying he's doing a decent job and settled in well. Should say the link here is Washington DC again. Um, worked on the business side of Washington Commanders, which is an NFL team, more, more probably commonly known as the Redskins, but they obviously can't be called that anymore. Um, yeah, well, I don't think we'll ever truly see what his impact is or not. And that's not because he isn't having an impact. It's like similar to if you go back to Chris Pillman when he was COO. I still have no idea if what he did was good or not because it's behind the scenes stuff, isn't it? It's, it's the yeah. business side of it. You never see what it's, people do. And even if, like, he could be the guy that brought the fireworks in, but yeah. we just won't know. And if he is, well, thanks, because I, I enjoyed myself anyway. How many fireworks were there? I'm sure Lee said it was like five. Um, yeah, I think it was like five or six. They were bigger than what I thought they were going to be, put that way. I, I was expecting, like, you know, Kev John's coming out with a couple of sparklers that I would expect in the away yeah, end. A big stick with a Catherine wheel on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let's call it there because it's been a bit of a long one and we kind of rambled on for an hour and a half, but hopefully the ramblings have been enjoyable and we can hear all your thoughts in the comments. Um, looking forward to another home match against Sunderland this weekend. I'm actually off work next weekend and I was tempted by going up to Ipswich, but bit of a long drive for a tricky match I know I'll see I'll decide next week Um, but thanks for joining me again Ben yeah Um, thank you we'll have you back again soon I'm sure but yeah I'll leave a like as always don't forget to subscribe and um, we shall catch you all in the next one so thanks for watching the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The match has just finished and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a McNugget share box and a few dips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.